I hope you guys, have you guys been enjoying the cow service so far? Fantastic, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, I just want to spend just a few moments um, talking about a word that's very key to Christmas. And that word is the word incarnation. And incarnation basically means that when Jesus was born, God took on human flesh. God became human in Jesus. So Jesus is God as a human being. And, and as Nathan read in his reading, Jesus became the light of the world. So um, just, just as kick off, what I want to do, I want to reread that, that text that Nathan read earlier, one in, in, in the Gospel of John. But here's, here's the thing. I appreciate that in this reading, there are a number of phrases and words that basically mean Jesus. And if you're a church person, you would have known this already. But I appreciate that some of you may not be church people, so what I'm going to do, when I read this out, I'm going to basically replace some of those phrases with Jesus, just to make it abundantly clear what we're talking about today. Okay, so if we put the slides on, and I shall read. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning Jesus, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not Jesus. He came only as a witness to Jesus. Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through Jesus, the world did not recognize him. He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he, has given, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So Jesus, he was a man, but he wasn't just a man. He was God becoming human. He was the light of the world. And, and there, was, there were some key implications that I want to pull out here. The first thing of, that we need to understand about Jesus being the light of the world is that Jesus reveals to us who God is. Okay, so I wear glasses. In fact, let me, let me be abundantly clear. I wear Lacoste designer framed glasses. Ooh. Now, why do I wear Lacoste designer frame glasses? It's because I don't see too good. You know, I can't read without my glasses. I have what's known as astigmatism, which means when I look at objects or look at people, uh, I see a distorted image of them. I see a distorted image of people. So, say, when I look at my wife, I think she looks hot. When, with my glasses, I think she looks super hot. You see what I did there, fellas? Learn. Um, 
When I look at the rest of you without my glasses, I think you look pretty good too. When I put my glasses on and I see things as they truly are, some of you don't look so good. So my lens helps me to see things as they truly are. Now, as humans, we have what I call a spiritual stigmatism, which means we don't see things as they truly are. We don't see ourselves accurately. We don't see the world around us accurately. And we do not see God accurately. And therefore, we need a, a, almost like a spiritual form of Lacoste designer frame glasses to help us to see God as God truly is. The good news, we have those glasses in Jesus. Jesus gives the game away. He lets the cat out of the bag. He spills the beans of who God truly is. So who is God? And how is God like? Well, there's a few things I want to say about God that Jesus reveals to us. The first is, God is love. Now, when I say God is love, I don't mean God is weak or pathetic. Love is not a weak thing. Love is a strong thing. In fact, love is the strongest emotion, the strongest force that can drive a person to the extent that they're willing to give up their money, their honour, and even their life. There's no other emotion, there's no other force in the cosmos that can make a person do that but love. And in the Gospels, there are story after story after story of Jesus loving people, loving the marginalised, loving the voiceless, loving people to the very point he's willing to give up his very own life with absolutely nothing to gain in return. Jesus shows that God is a God of unconditional love. The best example I have of unconditional love is basically the love between a parent and their child. If you put your hand up with your parent in this room today, is your children with you today? Well, tell you what, why don't you turn and look at your children? Just look at them. I don't mind if they could be five-year-old, they could be 45-year-old. Look at your children, smile at them. Doesn't it feel good? Let that love bubble up within you. Right now, what you're experiencing is just a glimpse of the kind of love, the quality of love God has for you and me. Jesus shows that God is love. But God is not just love. God is also relational. God is a people God. God loves people. We know that Jesus loves people. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus basically goes from house to house eating food with people, eating with them, talking with them, listening to them, um, arguing with them even, um, making friends with them. He was a relational person, healing them, praying for them. Basically, if you want to find Jesus, find the crowd. He's normally close by. And when Jesus was alone, the Bible says he was talking to his father. So he was always in relationship. I, I work for a charity called Tear Fund, and they basically help poor people. And the thing that we, we always say in Tear Fund is, the cause of poverty or violence is actually broken down relationships. It all comes down to relationship. And the key relationship we want restored is our relationship with God. God wants to, to have a relationship with each and every one of us. That's what God's about. He's a relational God. You know, he's a people God. He wants to speak to us. He wants to listen to us. He wants to hear your fears. He wants to hear your joys. Now, the third thing Jesus shows us is that God is humble. 
In other words, he's everything that Donald Trump isn't. Or any politician. Or any business owner. You know, when I think of business owners or politicians, I tend to think of people who are very confident, very, very self-assured, often a bit arrogant, tend not to have too much time for people who are below them, if it makes sense. Um, and, but when I think of God, who, is, to be honest, compared to a politician or a business owner, he's like at the top of the tree. You know, anything they can do, he can do better. He doesn't need permission from anyone. He can do it. In fact, if there's, if there's anyone that has, has the excuse to be arrogant, that is God. But when I look at Jesus, he's not like that. Jesus spends time with all sorts of people. He's always got time for people, even people who, who, have, who are the outcasts in society, the poor, the widows, those who are sick. Jesus, Jesus is always humble enough to spend time with them. The Bible says Jesus even washed people's feet. Can you imagine Donald Trump washing someone's feet? Seriously? I don't think so. But Jesus washes people's feet. Why? Because Jesus is a humble person. Why? Because God is a humble God. So, if, so Jesus being the light of the world reveals certain things about who God is. But here's the thing. Jesus as the light of the world doesn't just show us stuff. It does stuff. Okay? Jesus, the Bible says Jesus brings light into the darkness. There's a change that Jesus brings. Um, I want to give you an example. Can you, can you go to the next slide, please? Okay. Put your hands up if you like sci-fi in this room. Okay, that's two of you. I'm going to pretend that you all like sci-fi, but you all have really tired arms. Okay, so let's go with that. So you all like sci-fi. Um, who's seen um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine? No, it's rubbish. Don't watch it. Um, but that's fine. But if you persevered and got to the very last episode, the very last episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, there was actually a half-decent scene in it. Um, and this is like a still from that scene. I'll explain what's going on in a second. But basically, one of the key characters is a guy called Odo. And he's a shapeshifter, which basically means he can change form from being like a human being to being you know, like a chair or something like that. And his entire species are dying. They're all dying. In fact, they're so sick that they can't change form anymore. They're basically like a, like a fluid. Like, they're like a lake. In fact, the lake he's standing in are actually the shapeshifters, dying. Um, but Odo, he's not dying. He, he, he's, um, he's the only healthy shapeshifter. And he, and he has the cure within him. And he doesn't want his people to die. So this is what Odo does. Odo makes a sacrifice. He first gives up the love of his life. So at the moment, you look at the back of her head, that's the love of his life. Her name is Kira. And he gives her up, even though he's happy with her. And what he does, he, he changes form and he pours himself, quite literally pours himself, into that lake of shapeshifters. And because he has the cure, that cure basically infiltrates that lake and he heals his people. And it's a one-off one deal. Once he does this, he can't turn back. This is it. This is a one-off commitment, once and for all. But he makes that decision. Why? Because he wants to see his people healed. Now, I say this because there was another man that lived about 1,700 years ago, and a guy called St. Jerome. He, he was famous because he gave us the Latin Bible. Put your hands up if you speak Latin in here. Yeah, me neither. I can barely speak French. But not to worry, because the version I read was in English. And what he says is, when he talks about the incarnation, he says that actually 
Creation and humanity is a bit like a river. He describes it as being a bitter river. We've become bitter. And what God did in the incarnation, in Jesus, by becoming human, he poured himself into humanity. Why? Because he wanted to make that river sweet again. There's a Swiss Christian thinker by the name of Hans um, Urvon Balthasar. I'll probably pronounce his name slightly wrong. But he says something very similar. What he says, he says um, the creation and humanity is a bit like an egg timer. In fact, the relationship between creation and God is like an egg timer. So I've got an egg timer here. Okay. I'm sure you can see it. Can you see it? Now, as you can see, there's two spheres with an egg timer. There's one that's full and the one that's empty. And what he says is that the empty sphere is creation. It's empty. It's lacking. But the full sphere, that's God. And Jesus, well, he's the connection point, you see. And what God wants to do through Jesus is basically do this. He wants to pour himself into humanity, pour his fullness pour his goodness, pour his life, pour his light into, into people's lives, into communities. I'm going to leave it right here. The bottom line is this. The Christmas story is not just a nice story to tell our children. It is a nice story to tell our children, but it's more than that. The truth is, is that the Christian story is about God who desires to make a, a, a tangible, a genuine, a realistic change to people's lives, both individually and community around the world. That's always been the Christian story. That's always what Christianity has always been about. It's about a God who wants to make real change. And when I look at this, a room of this size, and I see, you know, there's so many people here, I imagine that actually there's probably one or two of you that when I say words like emptiness or bitterness or darkness, those words actually mean something to you. It won't mean something to every one of you. I appreciate that. But for one or two of you, or maybe more, those words mean something to you. They strike a chord. Because actually, in your life, you are experiencing darkness. You are experiencing emptiness. And now you're thinking, actually, you know what would be really great? if I can have some of that life, it'd be really great if I can experience some of that light, some of that sweetness, some of that fullness. Well, the good news is that you can. I've been a Christian for over 20 years. I became a Christian when I was about 15 years old. I was in a church about a similar size to this, and there was a guy called Femi, who um, he, he kind of led me into it. He led, he led me through a prayer. And in some respect, the prayer in itself wasn't that important. But what it did, it helped me to articulate my desire to know Jesus and to, and to have him put his sweetness and his life and his light into my life. And God has been continuing to pour his love into my life ever since. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Will you please stand up, please? And I'm going to be your Femi. And I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead a simple prayer. And I want you to just repeat what I say. And if you're a Christian, I want you to definitely repeat what I say. Because actually we all need more of God's love into our lives. And if you're not a Christian, then I invite you. I invite you to join us in this prayer. Um, 
there's going to be 100 people speaking. I can't see if, if it's you or not. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. But if it's you and you think, you know what, I want some of that life. I want some of that light. I want some of that joy. I want some of that love. I'll invite you to join us. Okay. I will pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for, for being born this Christmas Day. Thank you for being born this Christmas Day. Thank you for showing us who God truly is. Thank you for showing us who God truly is. Lord, would you pour your life, your light, your sweetness, your fullness into my life? Lord, I'm sorry for all the wrong I've done. All the times I've been selfish. At the expense of someone else. Lord, become, come into my life. Thank you for changing me. And happy birthday. Amen. You can sit back down. I've got, I've got, I'm going to speak for 30 more seconds. Now, put your hands up if, if you're in the church. Come on. Good. A lot of you. Right. This is for you. Okay, so if you're, not, if you're not in the church, you can, you can relax. If you're in the church, I just want to say that I believe that just as Jesus is the incarnation of God, I believe we are to become the incarnation of Christ. Now, one of my famous favorite Christian thinkers, her name is Rachel Held Evans, she says this, she says that we are to become Jesus in tennis shoes just as Jesus was God in sandals. So whether you wear tennis shoes or brogues or regular choice shoes or crocs, I believe we are to become the incarnation of Christ to the world around us and show the world around us that God is love, God is humble and God is relational. I'm now going to play a song it's called We Are Blessed. Um, it, 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 it basically says, in fact, I just say, but much better. And the chorus basically goes like this. It says, we are blessed to bless a world in pieces. Um, we are love to love where love is not. We are, I thought we were, it says now. Let's just listen to the song. <laughs> it's great. It's a great song.